Hey, this is Pastor David. Thanks for plugging in today. I believe that this word from God will encourage you, challenge you, and help direct you toward your destiny. A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said, that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and understanding, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get right into the word. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave his son for us, Jesus the Lord. Who can love us like he does? It's Pastor Tanya here with Pastor David of Strong Tower Church in Casper, Wyoming. What up? <laughs> he is a man of few words. Just kidding. He's absolutely Everybody not. Everybody knows that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor David, I am so excited to talk to you about the message Thanks. that you delivered on Sunday. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, man, that had some fire and some spice. And, you know, as the old saying goes, if it doesn't challenge you, it does not change you. It certainly doesn't. Ooh, we have been challenged, and for it, we will be changed. So thank you for Amen. that word. Amen. You're welcome. It was a lot of fun to preach. and <laughs> It's always exciting when the people of God show up with their straws. We like to, <laughs> we like to say that. Uh, they're drawing from the anointing, right? And so the, the, the more they draw from the anointing, the more they get, and the more, the more God pours out. So it's a lot of fun. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be quoting you a lot because you have just dropped such meaty little nuggets all over and we just need to extract all the yummy goodness out of them so that we can apply it to our lives. Amen. Yeah, I always get a little nervous when you're like, hey, I'm going to quote you or somebody says, <laughs> hey, you said I get that that immediate uh, cold <laughs> shiver like, uh oh. What, what did I say? <laughs> well, prepare to be chilled because you said <laughs> if God judges America, he's going to start with us. That's right. Ooh, That's that right. had some fire. Can you can you talk to us a little about that? Us, us who? Us America? Who's going to who's he going to judge? If God judges America, he's going to start with us. That that means the church, the the believers of God. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's like I remember on Sunday when I said that I had a bunch of like yeses and amens in the room, which I love. Right. I love that. I really love when our church is engaged in the message and they 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 want to get what God's pouring. Mm-hmm. I really love that. But I think when you yes and amen that, um, you know, truth begets truth. And so you hear something like that and you go, yeah, that's totally true. Mm-hmm. Amen. And then you start thinking about it and you start realizing the gravity <laughs> of it. From and, amen to oh dear. Yeah. And all of a sudden things shift a little bit. And, and I could even tell from the pulpit that in, in the atmosphere, things were shifting a little bit yeah. as the believers were starting to realize like, oh, wait a minute. He's talking about me. Yes. He's talking about us. He's talking about this house. We we are the us mm-hmm. in that statement. Like, we are the us. If God judges, judges America, he's going to start with us. Ooh, that is spicy, which is, it is such a backwards way of how we normally approach things mm-hmm. because a lot of times we, as Christians, like, we'll see something and we'll be like, oh, you know, like, I grew up and when something would happen to me, you know, my you know, I didn't listen or whatever. And and something would happen to me and my parents would be like, that's what you get. Right. And uh, so we kind of have a, that's what you get attitude. We see bad things are happening in the world. a A lot of craziness. And we're like, that's what you get. God's judging you unbeliever. But you're saying that 
God's not going to judge them. That's not God's judgment falling on them. You're saying when God comes to judge, it's going to hit us, the church. Yeah, well, I'm not just saying it. Peter said it. Yeah. Peter said that it starts in the church first, that we should be really careful about this judgment that we're asking for. People think like, oh, we're in the end times and it's the judgment. Bring it on, Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Like, let's do this. Let's let's see some action. You know, that's not actually how the Bible reads. Things are going to get a lot better before we leave this place. Yeah. Things are going to get a lot better. And uh, it's going to be a very exciting time. Lots of people are going to be coming to the Lord. Um, God's going to be moving. There's going to be like a revival like you've never imagined oh, yeah. before we leave. So it's not going to get... It's not going to get all kinds of crazy worse. And so when, when we see that stuff, uh, when we see judgment or the things that we perceive as judgment happening, to me, it's a very heartbreaking and sobering reminder that mm-hmm. I've been asleep at the gate. I haven't been spending enough time in my prayer closet. And I haven't been, I haven't been interceding for these people. And, you know, it's another gut check when I hear about something that happens to a group of people in another state and it doesn't bother me that much. And I'm like, it's a gut check for me. Like, how come I'm so jaded about this? Why, why am I so calloused? Uh, God said that, that he would take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to realize that all of humanity is connected. Uh, and I don't mean in some kind of woo-woo type yeah. of way, like, oh, we're just all one. But in a sense, you know, that weirdness didn't, didn't happen. They didn't just get there. For, for some, that, that weirdness was rooted in a truth. And the truth is, you know, we all came from Adam. We were dwindled down to Noah. And then we all came from Noah. And so um, we are all connected. And so it's foolish to think that uh, something that happens to somebody in another state or another part of the world doesn't somehow affect all of us. Yeah. Uh, because because we're all, we all connected in, in one way. And I think uh, one of the things that, that we don't really understand is the the depth and responsibility that it is to be a part of God's family. Mm. You know, we talked yesterday about what it is to engraft a uh, stick on onto a tree, and in order to do that, you have to scar the tree, you have to you have to cut the tree, and you have to cut the branch fresh. and And so that's what that's what God did. He he broke his son. His son bled for us, and we are a hurt and broken people. And God fuses those two things together. He engrafts us together and, and we grow together. We're no longer this one thing. Now we're the part of this new thing. And this new thing that we're part of is God's family. And, and God, creator God, the one who breathed stars, mm-hmm. the one who created the earth, who hung it on nothing, who spun it at just the right speed, who created time and space and gravity and the laws of physics, he created all of these things. Like, I'm type like God. Yeah. Like, we get to call him friend and father. He's our daddy. Yeah. Abba, Jesus said. Abba. So Jesus becomes like our older brother. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is like our best friend. Mm-hmm. And all three are God. But we're, we're part of this new family. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, that's awesome. And I don't mean awesome like cool, like that's really cool. I mean awesome like we should be in awe of the fact that we are part of this great family. And God's family has a certain order to it. So there's blessing and benefit and when pastors love to talk about those things. And I don't I don't mind talking about those things either. Right. But we love to talk about the the benefits of being child of God and there are thousands of benefits of, of 
being a child of God. It really is good to be a king's kid. But I don't think what we talk about enough is the reality that God is a good and attentive father. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to stand by and allow his children to act a fool. The Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves. In fact, the Bible says that parents who don't discipline their kids hate them. Wow. They hate them. Mm -hmm. Because discipline will actually save you. It will. Discipline will actually preserve your life. It'll, It'll keep you. And God's willing to appear as though he's the bad guy so to speak, in order to keep you in position, to keep you in place, moving on toward your destiny mm-hmm. and, and the vision that God has put in, engrafted in, in your life. When you were deep in your mother's womb, God stitched those things within you, destiny and uh, ability, giftedness, uh, ideas, plans, purpose. God has, you were created with such purpose and intent. You, you are God's very own. Mm-hmm. And so... If God judges America, he's going to start with his own family. He's, God's not interested in disciplining the neighbor kids. Right. It starts right here. It starts in his house. He's going to get his house in order first. And then he's going to start dealing with those outside of his house. Right. You had said in your message that uh, discipline is not something that happens to you, but it is something that happens for you. Yeah, that's true, don't you think? Absolutely. And I love that. Um, You just said that, you know, God will appear to be the bad guy. And so many times we look at the disciplinarian as the bad guy, but really what it is, is they're teaching us to live in boundaries, to live in, in safety, um, to give us the best possibility that we can have. You're absolutely right. I remember uh, when my parents moved us from private school to public school, things were run very differently. And there was a uh, it was a woman at the time, and she was in charge of the discipline in, in the school. Man, she ruled with an iron fist. When, when she'd come down the hallways, like, kids would, kids would cower, you know? And, and honestly, I think, yeah, exactly. Some of us had it coming. Don't, don't get me wrong. Some of us had to come in. Some of us needed to be ruled that way. But here's what's interesting. Whether she realized it or not, whether she recognized that she was doing it or not, you know, if, if she was just disciplining because... You know, like we thought as immature kids, she just likes to hate kids. You know, that was that's kind of a really immature way to look at it. But what she was doing, whether she realized it or not, was preserving our lives. She was helping us to be able to learn how to gel and function in a civil society mm-hmm. uh, with, with rules and boundaries. Mm-hmm. And uh, such an important task and such an important job. And I can't honestly say I really understood many or any of those things as a, as a child, but certainly looking back at them now can recognize that, that those, those disciplinarians, God bless you. If you work in the school system, those disciplinarians are doing the Lord's work. So as God brings judgment to his children, to his church, then how should the American church respond to his judgment when he does judge us? There are several ways that come to mind immediately when you ask, uh, how do we respond to his judgment? Uh, first, I think we should respond to his judgment with, with humility. I think we should take a step back and, and you know, we're, we're so quick to, to blame God. We're so quick to accuse God and point our finger at God. You know, uh, Adam committed his first sin that he committed was treason. Mm. His, his second sin uh, was the display of sin nature. You know, he, he fell. 
he he committed treason against God, mm. and God came to Earth and was like, "Adam, what happened?" And Adam goes, "Wasn't me. It this woman. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't me. It was this. It was this woman mm-hmm. that that you made for me." And he shifts the blame, and and actually, his shifting the blame wasn't actually even on his wife Eve. Mm even though he was saying it That's was the woman. Wow. Yeah, he was actually blaming God. Mm-hmm. He was saying, if you didn't create this woman, so this is really, the root of this is actually your fault, God. Wow. Yeah, so we're like shifting the blame. So I think um, if we are experiencing judgment, we should approach it with humility and then uh, immediately stop doing whatever it is that you're doing that brought about judgment, <laughs> <laughs> brought about the discipline. Stop doing that immediately. And then thank the Lord. I think um, whether we experience judgment for ourselves or we see it in the world, it should cause us to thank God. And I don't mean to thank God for the tragedy, but to thank God for the reminder that uh, even though he is our friend and even though that he is our dad, he is God and he rules and he reigns. It's not a democracy. He has a plan and a purpose and we are to get on his side. I really like that you said to not, it's not about the tragedy, but about the discipline, like to thank him for the discipline. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times Christians, uh, we kind of sidestep that and we, we go, oh God, God did this, this horrible thing to me. What can I learn from it? That really paints God as a bad guy. It does. Yeah, it really paints him as the heavy. Yeah. Instead when of God didn't work that way. No. No, he didn't work it that way. That discipline happened because uh, we needed we needed some course correction. Right. Yeah, I remember uh, I had a good friend of mine when we first started our jujitsu journey. I made a friend with this Asian immigrant named Irwin, mm-hmm. and he's such a neat guy, and he loves the Lord. Pray for Irwin if, <laughs> if you guys uh, if you guys the Lord puts him on your heart. But he used to always tell me because uh, he had like a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Him and his wife had like a tribe. <laughs> it was a lot of fun when they came. Like he brought the academy with him. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> and he used to say his kids were super well behaved. Every one of them. They were. Every one of his kids. Like absolutely from from the smallest one to the oldest one. They were like the most polite, most obedient, well-mannered, well-tempered kids. And he used to tell me that uh, he said, I, I treat them like plants. You know about plants, right? And I was like, Erwin, I don't know anything about plants. <laughs> <laughs> and so he said, well, you know, when a plant starts to grow and it, it, it grows crooked, you hammer down a stick into the into the soil and then you, you tape the plant. You like physically, I, this might not be news to you. This is like totally news to me. Like I didn't like, you tape a plant? That sounds ridiculous. But you actually put tape on this plant, uh, on the stick, and then and then the plant will actually, as it grows after some time, you can take the stick out. You can untape it and take the stick out. And that thing's going to grow straight. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes when the plant gets a kink in it, you have to actually break where the kink is and then tape it back straight. And then you leave that on there for you know a few weeks or whatever. And it will actually grow the way you want it to grow. And so that was always his approach to raising his kids. He's like, hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to keep them growing straight. So every time that I see... Uh, them starting to grow crooked. Every time I see them leaning to the left or to the right, I tape them to the stick. And sometimes if their behavior needs to be broken, I break it mm-hmm. and then I tape them back to the to the main line. I tape, tape them to the branch. And so it's kind of like, it's, that's a great picture of how it is with us and God. God's way, his righteousness, uh, his integrity, that's the stick. 
And when we veer to the left or to the right of that stick, he's not afraid to restrain us. He's not afraid to tape us to the stick. And we should be thankful for that, even though it's uncomfortable, even though we'd rather grow another way. Uh, we know that it's because he loves us and ultimately for our good. Well, it does save us. I mean, if, if we do grow a, a wrong way and the Lord has to break that habit off of us, that is painful. Mm-hmm. So the Lord is, is actually saving us from, although it might be a nuisance in one way to be restrained, it is saving from pain in another. And here's what I love so much about God. I mean, there's so much to love about God, really. <laughs> but one of the things I, in, in, in context that I really love about God in, in this is that he's, he's not afraid to look like the bad guy. He's not afraid to be the heavy, mm-hmm. you know, I remember hearing a story about uh, this little girl was really mad at her dad because she had to have some discipline. It was justified. <laughs> and she was so furious. And she was like, I hate you, she said to her own dad. Mm-hmm. And he was a little, he was a little heart sick over it, you know. And uh, his wife offered him the, the most gentle and accurate counsel. She said, you know what, she doesn't hate you. She doesn't believe that's just the meanest thing that she could think to say. Mm-hmm. And she was just trying to to hurt you like like she's feeling hurt. Mm-hmm. And I just I was really kind of taken back by that. And I, I recognized that that's how God is with us. Mm-hmm. He's willing to restrain us. He's willing to discipline us, even though we might kick and scream and shake our fist at him. He's he's a big enough God that he's not. He's not offended by that. He's not like, oh, is that how you think then? Or you're not worthy of this kingdom. He's like, go ahead and kick and fuss and fight. But I'm yours and you're mine. And we're going to get through this together. And I'm big enough to deal with those things that you might have to say that maybe you said out of emotion that you didn't actually mean. We worship a big enough God. He can see right through that stuff. Amen. He does see right through it. And he loves us still. You bet he does. Which leads me to my last question. You said that if God judges America, he is going to start with us. He's going to start with his church. Mm-hmm. Ah, why would he pour out judgment on us first? Like we're the followers of God. I know. Why would he? Why would I, I think like when I read Revelation, you know, when he says, hey, I notice all these good things, but I have this against you. Right. Why do you think that he would pour out his judgment on on his on us first? Well, first, I love that you brought that scripture up a couple weeks ago when, when in Revelation, mm-hmm. um, when God's like, I, ha- I have this against you. And you're like, wait a minute, God's got something against me. Like, what's what's that about? You know, uh, and that we lost our first love. Mm-hmm. And this just goes to show you he, he pours out his judgment on us first because we are the sentinels. We're, we're the stewards in this place. We're, we're the ones, we're the hand of the king. Mm. We're the representatives of God's will on earth. When, when Jesus said, pray like this, pray that the kingdom would come, that, that things in, on earth would be like they are in heaven. That wasn't just a nice, you know, trite prayer that we were supposed to repeat. That was actually a commission to his people. We are the, the hands and feet so to speak. We're the the representatives of God. And when we see things that have gone badly in the nation, in, in, in our communities, in our families, we're the ones who God has put in charge to, to pray and see that his will is done. We've been asleep at the gate. Mm. We've been asleep. So a lot of these, a lot of these things 
when when we see things that happen in in other states or or among a certain people group and we're tempted to say hey that's judgment the bible says to look to yourself first jesus said look look to yourself first yeah. right so when i see those things and i'm just like you i when i see those things i jump to the judgment train too i go oh that must be judgment but before i voice that before those words hit my lips i start looking to myself and i go wait a minute hold on i was asleep at the gate i wasn't i wasn't praying i didn't i don't i didn't care enough i wasn't compassionate enough about about my countrymen and about america and the the people that are here and uh what a great reminder let's say that it is judgment you know maybe i wasn't asleep at the gate and it is judgment mm-hmm. what a great reminder that god is god and he is worthy to be feared and he means what he says that that we do need to follow after him that we do need to live lives that are glorifying to him we uh, the pursuit of holiness for the believer isn't a good idea it's the way mm-hmm. it's the way yeah amen and god doesn't say you have to be in a certain place at a certain time it's just that we're on the journey mm-hmm. you know there's an old saying that says the the thousand mile journey begins with the first footstep. Mm-hmm. So we all look at the finish line and are like, oh man, I'm never going to get there. Don't worry about the finish line. If, if, a, if a racer thought that way, they'd never finish the race. Right. They're worried about that next step. What's, what's that next step? What can I do to make the next step? Mm-hmm. And then when you make that step, you go, okay, I made that step. All right, what's the next step? And then you make that step, you make the next step. And then over a period of time, you, you get somewhere. Mm-hmm. But God's going to pour out judgment first with the church. Peter said it. It happens first in the church because God's going to tend to his own house first. And although that's really terrifying and, and very sobering, it's also kind of exciting. Yeah. Because we are part of God's family and, and that is evidence we are his. Yeah. And, and there really isn't much more to this life than to know and be known by our God, to know him and to be known by him. Selah, folks. This is About Face. It's the first message of a three-part series called What is Judgment? If you would like to hear that message, follow the link in the description. Um, Check that out and then catch the rest of these discussions as we dissect that word a little bit further. You can check it out on all major podcast outlets. Thank you, Pastor David, for being here with us. Thank you, Pastor T. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening. Without your faithful support, we wouldn't be able to do the work that God has called us to. If you know someone who would be blessed by what you just heard, please pass this along. At Strong Tower, we believe that you are a unique expression of God's love and creativity, and we consider it an honor to be a part of your journey. So